The Atlanta Braves drop a tough one in game one of their series against the New York Mets as Max Free just doesn't have it. And the Atlanta Braves offense couldn't get anything going early against Max Scherzer. We'll talk about that. Also, the Braves made a big trade on Monday as well, improving their draft position. We'll talk about who they could be targeting, which high school prospects they could be going after. And then we'll set you up for Tuesday's game against the New York Mets with Spencer Strider on the mound. All of that on this episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see everywhere I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at TomahawkTake.com. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that notification bell. Hit that thumbs up button. Really do appreciate all the support. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first to listen each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the Monday game. The Braves taking a loss to the New York Mets 4-1, to breaking down everything in that game from Max Freed's struggles, the offensive struggles. We'll get into all of that, and then we'll dive into the trade from Monday where the Braves sent Drew Waters and a couple of other prospects to the Kansas City Royals for the 35th overall pick in the MLB draft. And I'm going to tell you who I think they could be targeting with that extra bonus pool money, and then we'll set you up for Tuesday's game as well, where Spencer Strider will be on the mound looking to even up the series with the Mets. But let's start with Monday's 4-1 to loss to the New York Mets and a disappointing loss for sure. Obviously, a lot of hype going into this one. You got Max Scherzer versus Max Freed, two of the best pitchers in all of baseball. And unfortunately, Max Freed just didn't have it on this night for whatever reason, you know, whether it was the glute injury that was still bothering him while he he left his last start early whatever the case may be just clearly did not have it on Monday night struggling with command throughout walked five batters in this game tied a career high it's only the second time this year that he's allowed more than two walks in a game so that right there just tells you he just didn't have it for whatever reason, whatever it may be. He just did not have it, did not have a feel for his pitches. All that being said, he still went five innings and only allowed two earned runs and kept his team in the game. And that's what your ace does on a night where he just could not control his pitches, could not find the strike zone. And it was clear because he was walking bottom of the order guys on four straight pitches twice to begin an inning. He walked a batter on four straight pitches. That is just not the Max Freed that we are used to seeing. So clearly something a little off last night. Not a big deal going forward. Again, hopefully he's okay. Hopefully that injury that he left his last start early for is not something that's lingering here. But he just didn't have it. And you know, saw some people 
questioning the fact that Max Fried, you know, couldn't get up for the big game against Max Scherzer. Let me all remind you, this is a guy that pitched game six of the World Series and looked like the most dominant pitcher that we've ever seen. The pressure had nothing to do with it on Monday. Again, I think it's just something mechanical, perhaps an injury uh, that he's trying to battle through with, with just had his command off. And again, to be able to be dealing with that, tie your career high in, in walks and still only give up two earned and keep your team in the game through five innings. Again, that's why he's an ace. That's why he's the leader of the staff. You know, every now and then you're going to have games like this, and he was still able to give the Braves a chance to win. And he was an eyelash away, very close from getting a double play to get out of an inning. Instead, allows a run. Otherwise, he would have only allowed a one earned run through five innings. And again, as Grant McCauley mentioned on the postcast, the ball that Pete Alonzo hit down the line was just an inch away from getting into Austin Riley's glove. Perhaps he doesn't give up anything. So, again, uh, I saw a lot of people on my Twitter mention saying, you know, if this is the worst version of Max Free that we get, I think we'll be okay. And that's kind of in the boat that I'm in. You know, if, if, he, if this is Max Freed on a bad night where he walks five and only allows two earned to the division rival Mets over five innings, I think you can live with that. Again, the Braves still had a chance to win this game. Just couldn't get anything going against Max Scherzer, particularly early. I mean, the first four or five innings of this game were just no contest from the Braves' offense. Max Scherzer was just mowing hitters down. The only hit the first and second time through the order was from Robinson Cano. And they just couldn't get anything going. I have heartedly mentioned during the game in that fifth and sixth inning, the Braves had six consecutive batters that put the ball in play, all for outs. But it seemed like they were starting to see or pick up Max Scherzer a little bit better and figure him out. And I think you saw that starting in the fifth inning on. Unfortunately, it was a little late at that point, although they were still in the game. But the Braves hitters really started to you know, kind of figure Max Scherzer out, hit some hard-hit balls. And that seventh inning in particular, you had Dansby Swanson lead off the inning with a ball that I still don't know how it didn't go out. Dansby doesn't know how it didn't get out. You could see the shock on his face. I thought that was for sure a no-doubt home run, you know, five, ten rows deep. It died at the warning track. Austin Riley comes up later in the inning. It's a line drive that cuts through that win and makes it a two-to-one ball game right there. So, again, that's where you go back to that play where they didn't complete the double play, just beat it out, replay didn't overturn it. Could have been a tie game there. If Dansby's ball, Dansby's ball gets out, then it's still a tie game at two-to-two. So, just a couple of close plays there that, didn't break the Braves' way, or else we could have been looking at a potentially different outcome. Braves also just had some tough luck late in this one. They had eight balls hit 103 miles per hour or harder in this game. They hit the ball way harder in this game than the Mets did. The Mets, but that's been their their strategy, their game plan all year. Just put the ball in play and see what happens. And it's a good strategy. It paid off for them in this game. They were able to scratch across a couple of runs late with that as well. But the Braves hit the ball hard, and that is their strategy, and that's what they're going to do. And on most nights, that is going to lead to more runs and more success. It just did not happen on Monday evening. Again, eight balls hit 103 miles per hour or harder. Their four hardest hit balls, which obviously were the four hardest hit balls in the game, were all hits, all hit 109 miles per hour or harder. The other four, four balls, they hit 103 miles per hour or harder, had an ex expected batting average of 310 or higher. Three of them had an expected batting average of 590 or higher, and all of them were out. So, again, 
Just a little bit of bad luck with some hard hit balls there by the Braves hitters. The only other hit they had outside of those top four hardest hit balls was a ball hit 97.8 miles per hour. So basically, if the Braves wanted to hit on Monday night, it had to be hit hard. And for the most part, it had to be hit over 109 miles per hour. So just didn't have a ton of luck with the ball put in play. Obviously, they struck out 13 times. That doesn't help as well. Got to put the ball in play a little bit more in order to get some more of that luck. But again, most nights you hit the ball that hard, you're going to score more than one run and you're going to have a chance to win the ball game. So that's what the Braves do. And I talked about this on the postcast as well. That's kind of the difference in the Braves and Mets offense. The Mets, the Mets are going to just put the ball in play. They make a lot of soft contact, but you know, they put the ball in play enough and they figure that good things are going to happen. The, the same thing for the Braves, except they figure they hit the ball hard enough over nine innings that good things are going to happen. So it's a little bit different way that the two teams operate. And on this night, it just worked more in the favor of the Mets. But the Braves still had a couple of chances late in this one. Again, you know, the bullpen keeping them in the game until they allowed a couple of add-on runs late. Had a chance in the seventh inning, even after the Riley home run. Ozuna had a two-out double. Rosario came up in a big moment. I love the crowd getting behind him there, chanting Eddie, uh, but unable to come through. Uh, just a devastating pitch down and in to Rosario from Max Scherzer for the strikeout. And then the eighth inning, Cano got a two-out sing single, followed by an Acuna two-out double, and Dansby came up, and that's exactly the guy you want up. But then he swings at the first pitch, grounds out to the shortstop. Didn't love that at bat. From Dancy, a pretty good pitch to hit, um, but just missed it right there. I thought that was a moment Braves could have broken through as well. I mentioned Riley did get the big home run. Dansby just missed one. That was in the seventh inning. And instead, you come back in the top of the eighth, and Guillermo hits that homer to lead off the eighth. It makes it a 3-1 game. Kind of took some air out of the sails a little bit. Again, they still had an opportunity in the eighth to tie it up. So, you know, with the Braves, you know, bad luck on hard hit balls. Max Freed struggling. You know, the, the bullpen giving up a couple of runs late. Obviously, you didn't go to your top guys losing late either in the bullpen. And the Braves still had a chance to win this one, I think, tells you you know a lot about this team and how good they are. Uh, obviously, And also Robinson Cano with a two-hit game as well, his first game with the Braves. Uh, good start for him, like I said yesterday, kind of a no-risk move. We'll see what happens there. But certainly a good start to his Braves tenure. Two hits against his former team. Uh, it was good to see that from Robinson Cano. But an unfortunate loss for the Braves on Monday. Still got a chance to win this series. And I like their chances in these next two games with the pitching matchups, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But next, I want to dive into the big trade that the Braves made on Monday. What I think about the deal and who I think the Braves could be targeting in the draft now that they have some extra bonus pool money. From the, from the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar. But guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. The Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor that you love and a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen. They are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. Go to Built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They are going fast because they taste amazing. All Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you as well. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Start, stop fantasizing. Go to Built.com. 
to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. It's been a heavy couple of days of news for the Atlanta Braves trading for Robinson Cano. And then a real shocker of a move on Monday as well as they announced a trade for the 35th overall pick in the upcoming MLB draft. In that deal, they move Drew Waters, Andrew Hoffman, and C.J. Alexander to the Kansas City Royals. Now, this is a -a one-of-a-kind type deal. Um, You don't typically see draft picks traded in Major League Baseball. I know it's pretty big in other sports, but you don't see it a ton in Major League Baseball. It happens. I don't know that I've ever seen one as big as this one for the fact that Drew Waters has been a top prospect in the Braves system. He's been in a top prospect across Major League Baseball in the past. I know he's dwindled off those top 100 lists now, but that's a pretty big deal for the Atlanta Braves to do, to trade off one of their best trade assets in Drew Waters for the 35th overall pick in a draft. Now, what you have to keep in mind with this deal is what it does that draft slot, the 35th overall draft slot, comes with a $2.2 million value. And that adds to the bonus pool money that the Braves have to spend on all of their picks. So this gives the Braves the opportunity to go over slot and perhaps grab somebody earlier in the draft that maybe they would not have been able to afford otherwise. So that's what I want to do here in a second. And my thinking is that with this, Perhaps we see the Braves try to go above slot to sign away a high school player from college, maybe a high school player that many think, you know, was is going to go to college if he doesn't get top money. Uh, this could be an opportunity for the Braves to snag one of those high school players with a 20th pick and si- sign them over slot. So we're going to look at some of the top prep players in a moment. But I just wanted to finish my thoughts on this trade in general. Look, Drew Waters is a guy I have never – been high on i've watched him a couple of times in person and was just not overall impressed with his swing um but i do understand the potential i understand why he was such a highly ranked prospect if everything clicks and comes together you're looking at a five tool player who's a switch hitter now there are some questions of whether or not he should remain a switch hitter or not but the potential is there for him to be a, a five-tool player if everything clicks, but he's been in AAA since 2019. He has a strikeout percentage around 30% at that level. Doesn't bode well for what you would project him as a big league player, but I hope the best for Drew Waters. Hopefully the Kansas City Royals can turn him into something special, but just kind of crazy to think where we were a couple of years ago where we were dreaming of an outfield of Christian Pache, Drew Waters, and Ronald Acuna Jr., and now Pache is with the A's and Waters is with the Royals. And Michael Harris passed both of them by in a blink of the eye. So just a little bit crazy that Drew Waters uh, was dealt in this deal. But I think maybe the biggest loss could be Andrew Hoffman, who was having a breakout season after a solid year last year as well. Now the Braves are very deep as far as pitching goes. But I thought Andrew Hoffman was a pretty solid prospect i talked yesterday on prospects that i would try to avoid moving at the deadline and andrew hoffman was on that list i really thought he had a ton of value 
CJ Alexander look got some power. You know, seems like a four A 4A type player. Um, you know, just kind of a throw in in this move for me. Not a huge loss, but look, it it's going to take years to really figure out the value of this trade and how well it works out for the Braves. I think they could get better value in this upcoming draft and the players that they traded. My only question concern is could they have traded Waters or Hoffman in a deal for, you know, a major league player right now that's going to help them out right now? Because I think those were still, I think Waters still had trade value. I think Hoffman had solid trade value as well. And they just spent two of those chips on a, on basically draft pool money. Um, and again, it could work out better in the long run. We just won't know for years to come. But I thought Waters and Hoffman were two solid draft value prospects that the Braves had that they could have moved in a big deal, you know, whether at this trade trade deadline or in the offseason. But Alex Anthopoulos decided to move them now for a draft pick, or like I said, it's essentially moving them for extra money to spend on draft picks. So Again, we won't really know the outcome of this deal for years to come, and it's a type of deal we just don't see often enough to really know what the true value is. So interesting trade for sure. Um, again, wishing Waters the best over in Kansas City. Hope he does well there, and hopefully the Braves can get something good with this extra bonus pool money. And like I said, I think the Braves could be targeting a high school player with this extra money that they have to spend with the 20th overall pick. So I wanted to look at some prep players. Full disclosure, I have watched hardly anything, any video at all on these players. I'm taking all this from their scouting reports that I have looked over and looking at the guys that I think they could be targeting. I'm going to take the top four high school picks off the board. Drew Jones, unfortunately, is not going to fall to the Braves at 20. Jackson Holiday, Elijah Green, and, and Tamar Johnson – those are all definitely going to be gone. These next lists that I talk about, there's a chance that they fall to the Braves at 20, but there's also a chance that some of these guys are gone as well. Cam Collier, not technically a prep as he reclassified, got his GED and played Juco this past year, but is still one of the youngest players in the draft, just 17. Premium bat-to-ball skills and raw power uh, could, will play on either corner infield or corner outfield. So I like that bat from Cam Collier, Brock Porter, 19 right-handed pitcher, six foot four, um, prep prep pitcher out of Michigan. He has the best fastball among the prep pitchers in this draft, 94 to 97, tops out at 100, and has a plus changeup as well. Justin Crawford, 18 left-handed bat out of Nevada, son of Carl Crawford. He's an athlete just like his father, plus plus speed, great bat-to-ball skills, plus defender. Dylan Lesko, 18 right-handed pitcher out of Buford, Georgia. Vandy commit, six foot two. Had Tommy John surgery in April, uh, and we know the Braves like to target guys who have already gone through that. Set 92 to 95, and topped out at 97 before the Tommy John surgery. The best changeup in this draft, ace potential. What some of the scouting reports are saying has a very lofty ceiling. Also, Brandon Berea, 18, left-handed pitcher out of Florida, 6'2". Not as much upside as others, but a pretty safe pick at this spot. I don't think the Braves will be making this deal for a safe pick at 20. Uh, next is Robbie Snelling, 18, left-handed pitcher, out, also out of Nevada, 6'3", a plus curveball, mid-90s fastball, big-time 
football recruit, workhouse, uh, workhorse type frame for a starting pitcher. Jackson Ferris, 18, left handed pitcher out of Florida, six foot four, three plus pitches with a fastball that sits in the mid 90s, 12 6 curve, and a changeup. Cole Young, 18, shortstop out of Pennsylvania, left handed, slightly above average on everything except power. He has the arm to stick at shortstop and has a great feel for the game. Jet Williams, 18, shortstop out of Texas, right-handed. He's only 5'8", but a line drive hitter who rarely swings and misses. Fringy arm strength, so could move to second. I'm going to go ahead and eliminate Jet Williams. I would not take a shortstop who is most likely going to move to second with my first pick in the draft. Also not huge on Robbie Snelling or Brandon Maria. If if the Braves are looking to take one of these prep players, and again, Cam Collier, not technically a, a prep player, but I would like to see them target either Cam Collier, Brock Porter, or Dylan Lesko if they can get him. The guy out of Georgia coming off Tommy John's surgery, but a ton of upside. That may be the name that you're looking for here. You know, the Braves in the past, long past, you know, love to target guys out of their own backyard. Dylan Lesko could be that guy for the Braves, if he falls to them at 20, they go over slot four to sign and somebody who has a high ceiling. So those are some of the names I think the Braves could be targeting with that 20th overall pick now that they have that extra bonus pool money. And we'll talk about some more of these guys throughout the week as we prepare for the MLB draft starting this Sunday. But next, I want to set you up for Tuesday night's game as the Braves look to even up their series against the New York Mets and Spencer Strider takes the mound with that beautiful mustache that he has. We'll talk about that next. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when choosing Rock Auto. I choose to spend 30, 50, sometimes even 100% more for the exact same part from a chain store or new car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you can need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And please write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. On Tuesday night, it'll be David Peterson versus Spencer Strider. And the Braves drop game one as you have a couple of aces going up against each other. But this is where I think the depth of the Braves starting rotation is going to pay off in the long term. Spencer Strider pitching like an ace, top of the rotation guy lately. So is Charlie Morton, who will pitch game three of this series. And look, David Peterson, he's been good for the Mets at times, but a left-handed pitcher, a guy the Braves have gotten to in the past, this feels like a good opportunity for the Braves to get a win and even up this series. Peterson's been up and down for the Mets so far in 2022. He had a 0.64 ERA in April, but then a 5.16 ERA in May. Back to back to 3.18 in June, and then so far through th- two starts in July, 5.59. So hopefully that trend is continuing. He pitched five innings, gave up three earned on four hits and three walks with six strikeouts against the Braves on May the third. 
a 250 average against righties and compared to 170 against lefties this year. So look for the Braves to stack the lineup with righties. Should see Duvall in there over Rosario. Should see RC in there over Cano. And the Braves just stacking the righties in this. I mentioned Duvall. He's four for six with two doubles and a home run against David Peterson. Riley is five for 10 with three doubles. So look for those guys to have some big nights on Tuesday. Strider, over his last three starts, he's just been absolutely dominant. 18 innings, eight hits, three walks, one earned, and 30 strikeouts. He has allowed two earned or less in six of his last seven starts. So he's been on a roll for quite a while now. Had that one hiccup against the Giants. Other than that, he has been completely dominant lately. And like I said, a good chance for the Braves to even up this series. Edwin Diaz has pitched in three straight games. You got to hope that if this game is tied late, that he would be out of the mix for this game. Offense needs a breakout game. They haven't necessarily been slugging the best lately. Four runs or less than five of their last six games. Not what you expect from this Braves offense. So Hopefully they have a breakout performance, six runs or more. Hopefully the Braves get a pretty comfortable win on Tuesday, even up this series with Charlie Morton taking the ball on Wednesday and a chance for the Braves to win this series and continue to cut into that division lead. So that's what we'll be hoping for and watching for on Tuesday. But that will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstopball. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 